Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris. Thank you so much for joining me today. On our podcast, we talk to the authors about themselves, we talk about their books, and we also talk about their ideas. Each and every book has two stories, and we will talk about both stories. Joining me today is Dr. Daniel Brubaker, and he's here to talk about his book, Psychosocial Political Dysfunction of the Republican Party. Dr. Brubaker has spent half of his career in academic medicine at such institutions as the University of Pittsburgh Health Science Center, Oklahoma University Health Science Center, and at both the University of California, Los Angeles, and the University of California, San Francisco Departments of Pathology. He spent the past 20 years in the medicine industry, which includes both legal and clinical medicine. Dr. Brubaker, it's such a pleasure to welcome you to Books on Air. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. We'll have fun, I'm sure. I think we will, too. This is such an interesting book, and I'm always curious. You know, it occurred to me several years ago, I guess, that books don't just tell one story. The author tells a story in their book that's meant for the reader. But there's always something behind the book. There's always a reason that the book was created. Tell me about how you chose to write this book, Psychosocial Political Dysfunction of the Republican Party. Where did it come from? How long did it take you to write? Well, it took me about three years to write. And um, it kind of came from my observation of the Republican Party over the past three years. And uh, I saw how that uh, it was getting over the past seven years. Uh, so what I've done with the book is I used my background, medicine, science, and also I've had an interest in philosophy and psychology as a teenager reading books then. And I have an interest in sociology um, as well as uh, logic and uh, history. So I used all those um, to uh, all those disciplines to write the book. And I wanted it to be educational, and I wanted the, the reader to uh, think about what they were reading, use critical thinking so that uh, they would come away from this book more knowledgeable about different things that I think the Republican Party is getting into. Well, you've got 10 chapters, and... I can imagine that it took at least three years because each chapter is extensively researched and documented. You give people, I mean, the the definitions of terms. It's just such a comprehensive book. Let's give the listener a little bit of an overview of what you cover in the book. Well, the Republicans, I think, have a hard time distinguishing between fact and fiction. So the first chapter is about that. And I go into a lot of detail in terms of how facts are accumulated and how we, um, how we use those facts uh, in different ways. And uh, I have some medicine in there as well as science. Uh, it may be a little bit difficult for some people to understand some of the science, but I want them to still read it and be educated with it. And then uh, the uh, second chapter is on uh, child development with uh, behavior 
because it's it's child development from from age two to age five because what I've seen with the Republicans is really childish behavior. So I I included that, and then I go on to the uh, more psychosocial or psychological aspect, including personality disorders, and then uh, the next chapter is on the uh, why Republicans call Democrats socialists, which they're not. And I go through all the aspects of socialism so that people understand what socialism really is. And my opinion is that the Democrats are utilize social democracy and not really socialism because socialism also involves a economic system and and we don't have that. And I don't think people realize this, but we had a socialist party in the United States from 1900 until 1972. Uh, didn't go anywhere, but it was trying to become an economic system as well and, and overtake capitalism. So uh, we've had socialism in this, com- in this country, real socialism. And then I go on to crowd theory. And the reason I brought up crowd theory is because I had a political journalist from New York tell me to include that uh, because he thought it would be a good idea to bring up the fact why people, why Republicans follow people like Donald Trump and DeSantis and all these other Republicans. So I include that and I go through all the different crowd theories and come up with uh, one myself or a couple myself. Uh, from there, I go to, uh, let me think, uh, fascism, because I want the reader to understand what fascism is, and I think that's something that the Republicans are sort of going in that direction, and I want them to understand all about the history of fascism and all the suffering that people go through in a, in a fascist country. Then I do the... Um, kind of psychoanalysis historically with the Republican Party. I then do uh, chapter eight, which is on Donald Trump, and I have a couple pictures in there. And that's, uh, and then number, uh, chapter nine, I do the, um, I do kind of a synopsis of the, uh, the whole book. And chapter 10, I, use my opinions now i everything else is factual but i use some opinions as to what i think we can do as far as improving democracy in the united states now you yourself have been a republican all your life is that right 57 years and uh i guess somebody or i guess the uh, republicans would call me a rhino but um <laughs> at least I, I at least I don't belong to the rats which I call Republican at Trump's service. So <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean I voted for Democrats, I voted for Republicans and I I in the book in the last chapter I have a job description for the president of the United States. I don't think we have a job description for the president. I don't include anything like, you know, um movie stars and football players and those types of things. I have a really good uh, job description that I think people should follow. And whether they're Republicans or Democrats, they should fit the job description and do the best thing for the country. 
I couldn't agree more. I mean, isn't that what this is all about? I mean, isn't that what government is supposed to be doing? It is what government's supposed to be doing, and uh, it kind of goes astray here and there. I mean, it's it's not just today. It's been that way uh, off and on in the past. I mean, the 1930s and 1940s had uh, fascism included in uh, Congress with uh, uh, people that uh, considered an approval of Nazism and that type of thing. And we're kind of going through it again. You know, what we don't learn as human beings, I think, is that um, we don't go back through history and and try to stop repeating the same thing over and over. And I don't know why humans beings do that. I try to address some of that myself in the book a little bit, but it's um, it's something that, you know, we do as human beings. So I wish it would change, but I don't know if the brain will change. <laughs> I think it's kind of fixated. You know, it is interesting if you really look back over what the country has gone through. I mean, the McCarthy trials and, you know, those kinds of, of different things, the Cold War that we all went through. And the, the world just seems to be such a mess right now. And it just seems like everything is so uncomfortable. And it seems like the pandemic just exacerbated everything. What do you think? Oh, it did. And uh, it, it created uh, a separation of... Um, people in our country. I mean, we have, we've had people that approve of vaccinations and we have people, uh, people that disapproved of vaccination thinking that, you know, they could, uh, it's their right, their freedom not to have uh, vaccinations and not, and the government shouldn't interfere, but I'm a big proponent of vaccinations. And I, I even describe that in the book, a couple of places about uh, vaccinations. you know, they've been, excellent in terms of eradicating disease polio uh almost measles but not quite uh smallpox and different different other infectious diseases so i'm a big proponent i'd rather have i'd rather have uh the vaccination than have the virus i have not had the um COVID-19 infection because i've i've worn masks i got all the uh the vaccinations, and I'm happy I haven't had the uh, infection because I don't want it. I don't want it to get into my body. I'd rather have the vaccinations, which, you know, medically, I know what vaccinations do. So they're safe, and I'm a big proponent of them. One of the things that I found so fascinating in the book is what you just did. You you have this broad spectrum of of knowledge and this broad spectrum of the way that you think and you have taken those different professions different points of view and you've woven those into this book and i think it makes it particularly interesting because you have that a perspective that I just had never thought of before. There's a, a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes. He once said, the human mind once stretched to a new idea, never returns to its original dimensions. And I think what you've done in this book is exactly that because of the way that you put it together. Was that your intention? Well, I think it was. Uh, I don't think I was uh, 
um, intentionally trying to do that uh, originally. But like I mentioned uh, earlier, I used all the disciplines from science, medicine, psychology, philosophy, and various disciplines to kind of prove the dysfunctionality of the Republican Party right now. And I, I think I think there's a real problem, uh, possibly with mental health in 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 the, in the Republican Party. So, yeah, I I've used everything I could to uh, to do that, but I don't I don't see it as I was doing it intentionally. I didn't I didn't do it that way. It kind of all fell together. I think at the end. Well, I'm glad I saw the perception. I mean, it, to me, whenever I was reading, I thought. Wow, because I, I, it just felt like I was looking across a spectrum, and that gave me a different perspective and a different point of view than I think I would have ever had, because I don't have that kind of background, and I don't have that kind of vision. So I thought it was terrific, actually. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. Certainly, certainly. Dr. Brubaker, how, how did you do the research for this? I mean, it, did it take you three years just to do the research, or did you write it as you went along? How, what was the process for the birth of this book? Oh, that's an interesting question. You know, when I was in ninth grade and we, uh, the, the uh, science teacher said, you can't know everything possibly in this world, and the only way you can is go to the library and get your questions answered. And I've been doing that all my life, and I've been involved in research. Uh, I actually discovered a new disease that no other doctor discovered, uh, which we called um, post-transfusion graft-versus-host disease. And uh, I also came up with a diagnostic test that nobody... Well, one other doctor in, in Munich came up with the uh, the same test, and he kind of beat me to it. But I think, uh, uh, let me go back to your question again. Could you bring that up? Right. I, I was just talking about how did you do the research? Did it? Did you oh. do it a, a little at a time? How did, the, how did you pull all this together, I guess, is really the way to put the question. Okay. So uh, I started off like with fact versus fiction, and then I just started outlining different things and uh, – I did all the searching on the internet mm -hmm. uh, since we uh, have that at our fingertips and it takes a lot of work to go to the library and research everything. Uh, and so having the internet at our fingertips with things like PubMed and Wikipedia and, and other um, educational sites, I pull up everything I possibly can and I just go from there. Now, one of the things that I didn't do is I didn't have a lot of references for every fact. And I did that intentionally because to do that is far more work. I would do that with my publications in, in medicine and medical textbooks and medical journals. Certainly. I would, I would do all that, but I didn't do that for the book. I, I have some um, references at the end of where I got all the information, but and and that's pretty much it. I do have a couple of references here and there that I thought were important. Here's a question for you. Often when authors write a book that is a personal book, and this is a very personal book, 
as they write and as they go through that process, they learn something either about themselves or they learn something that they didn't know previously. Was there any kind of epiphany that took place as you wrote the book? Uh, I think the history of socialism and the history of fascism, I mean, I was somewhat aware of those things, but uh, to get more detail embedded in my brain about all those all those issues and especially in the different kinds of of uh socialism and how fascism got started uh and those were really important to me and also the um uh crowd theory i thought that was really fascinating going through all that and getting getting everything put together and I could now see a little bit more how the brain works in terms of bringing that all together. So I even describe that in the book. I, I, I show how the, uh, the brain works for some of these different behaviors. And I, I think that I, I do that for the reader. So not to, um, uh, I do, I do it so that they, they kind of understand how the brain works Good. and how the behavior works with the brain. Good. I think that's important. And we've been talking about this book, and I know that our listeners are saying to themselves, okay, where can I find this book? So I'm going to tell them, and then I'm going to ask you if there are some other places that it's available. Now, it is on Amazon, so let me give you, dear listener, the title of the book, and let me do a little spelling for you. The title of the book is Psychosocial, P-S-Y-C-H-O-S-O-C-I-A-L, Psychosocial Political Dysfunction of the Republican Party by Dr. Daniel, D-A-N-I-E-L, Brubaker, B-R-U-B-A-K-E. Now, go to Amazon. You'll see a very large little sort of light gray box. Put that information in the box, and in the left-hand side, there's a drop-down menu to choose from for different categories. Choose books. Click on Dr. Brubaker's book. It will take you right to it, and there is a fabulous excerpt right there on Amazon that you can read. There's also an audio book that's available. So you can order it right there on that page. Now, Dr. Brubaker, it's been my experience that sometimes our listeners don't want to buy the book from Amazon simply because they're the largest bookseller in the world. Are there some other places? If our listener, if our listener doesn't choose to buy the book from Amazon, where else might they purchase it? Okay, so they can get it at Barnes & Noble online and also from my website called uh, republicans4progress.com and the audiobook you can get through uh, Apple. And I did the audiobook um, because I knew there would be people with some disabilities that, you know, had problems reading and I thought it would be important to do that as well. Now, that was a little more expensive to do that, but I thought it was important. So 
Um, those are the, the places you can get it. And um, I'm trying to sell as many as possible because I want to help um, students at my college where I graduated. I, wanted, I would really love to set up a scholarship program for them because I came from a very poor background uh, as a farm boy in Pennsylvania. And we were you know, almost in poverty, except, you know, we grew our own food and everything. And so to get through college, I worked I worked myself completely through it. Now, that, those were different times in the 70s, 60s or in the 70s. So but I'd like to also do that to help young young people um, get ahead. So part of the proceeds from the sale of the book will go to a scholarship fund? Yes. What's the university that the scholarship fund will be? found in well it's not there yet but i I have to accumulate enough (laughs) enough money to set it up but uh the school i went to was elizabethtown college in pennsylvania which is a really really good school it's a christian school or or it was a christian school with the church of the brethren uh but now uh, the church couldn't um uh couldn't afford to keep up with the uh, costs and everything, so it, it went on its own. But it still has a lot of Anabaptist uh, history behind it. I think that's wonderful that you want to help young students because in this day and time, education is extremely expensive. And thank you for doing that. I think it's wonderful. Uh, I hope I can accomplish it. <laughs> Tell me some more about your website. If our listeners go to the website, what else will they find there? Oh, that's another educational website. So I have a lot of things there uh, about Republicans and um, things that aren't in the book, like I define what woke is and I uh, define uh, critical race theory, uh, some of those things. Oh, also... um, uh, uh, classic, uh, wait, classic liberalism, which is what the Repo- Republican Party started out with in the 1800s, and then they moved to conservatism in the in the 1920s and 1930s, and have remained with conservatism since. But we all started out. Um, I think Ron DeSantis wouldn't realize this, but we all started out as Republicans to be woke because that's what created the civil war actually <laughs> so now you're also so you're also doing a lot of social media so how can they find you on facebook how can our listener find you okay um republicans for progress. again that's republicans for progress mm-hmm. and, and, and twitter's a different one let me let me get that for you okay I think it's uh, rep, isn't it? Rep, R E P. Yeah, rep for progress. Rep for progress. Number four. And that's number four as well, not F O R, but number four. Okay, the the number. Yeah. Yes. Now, what have you got on Instagram? Um, I don't have a lot with Instagram. I'm doing a lot more with Twitter now, and. Um, I tweet different things, uh, things, 
come to my brain here here and there um different things like definitions and uh what's happening today you know what's what's recent uh i haven't done anything on tucker carlson yet but (laughs) that may be next i don't know (laughs) well this has just been fascinating now i always like for the author to have the last word about their work, especially a work as thought-provoking as yours. The listener will become a reader, and when they pick up a copy of the book, Psychosocial, Political Dysfunction, and the Republican Party, they'll sit down. This is not like a romance novel. They're not going to just read this from cover to cover in one or two sittings. This is a thought-provoking, intellectual book. They're going to sit down and they're going to begin to read and it will make them think. And so they'll put the book down and they'll come back to it. They'll put the book down and they'll come back to it. But eventually they will come to that very last page of the book. They'll read that last page and they'll either electronically or physically close that cover. What do you want that person who is that reader to take away from the book when they finish it? Well, I want them to come away, come away with it, uh, being further educated. Um, this was my intent to be to begin with. I wanted to have the book completely factual, which it is. Uh, I wanted them to be analytical when they're going through the book and use critical thinking, and I wanted to create some uh, debate as well. I know it's it's very controversial and in fact on amazon um there's a a reviewer on there that's uh republican i think he's a little more far right but he's being critical of the book and that's fine you know i don't really want everybody to think that this is the way to go uh with the republican party i i think it should create a debate and i think we should uh consider uh, the future of the Republican Party. And right now, I don't feel like it's going in the right direction for young people. And I think the young people are getting that. I mean, we're seeing protests. We saw them in Tennessee. And they're happening around the United States where young people are coming out and protesting. So I think the Republican Party needs to change their behavior a little bit to um, to do things a little more uh, normal, I guess you would call it. Well, you've certainly created something that's perspective-altering and thought-provoking. I want to thank you. I have enjoyed this so much. You and I could be talking for an an hour. I mean, it would be so easy for us to do that. It's just been such an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It's just been interesting and, as I said, thought-provoking and perspective-altering. Well, thank you so much for having me. I I had a great time. Thank you. Good. Now, remember, you can find Dr. Brubaker's book, Psychosocial Political Dysfunction of the Republican Party, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and on his website. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I do hope you'll join me for my next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. So thank you so very much for listening.